Good morning, Johanna. How are you? I'm really good. How are you, Liam? Well, I'm good, but you're also lying because you're sniffling there. <laughs> I know. I've got hay fever. I don't, I don't know what's been going on this year. I've sort of like, usually by the time the tree season's finished, I usually clear up, but this year I've been um, suffering a bit again. Uh, but nobody wants to hear about my hay fever problems, do they? So, uh, no. <laughs> but I, I've just realised, because you said before we started recording this, that we haven't done our own podcast since March, because we've had lots shocking. of guests. We have had lots of guests, and we've been very, very busy. Um, but yes, the last one we did was where we introduced that we were going to do uh, What Moves Us Express. Um, and the one before that was when we were on the train back from Milton Keynes. Do you remember when we used to get trains together? Oh, oh God. When was, it, was, that, was that the last train we got together? Yeah, probably. I mean, we did so, see each other last week for a lovely lunch in Brighton. So, yeah. So, so I've been getting local trains since we've been allowed to get on trains again. But you've been travelling quite a bit, haven't you? I have. I went to the south of France on the train before the uh, restrictions came in, before the, uh, the uh, self-isolation came in. Went on a family holiday to the south of France via train, not not the direct train because that had been cancelled for Corona, but uh, the train to Paris. Fourteen of us it was a bit like Home Alone, run through the airport, running through the train to get to the TGV, but we did it, and I think I've hopefully convinced more people to get a train on holiday. Yeah. Now, now you see the problem I'm having with. With trends, and I think it's quite interesting because there's been there was two stories on the news this morning as well about um, restoring confidence back, or not not even really restoring confidence back in travelling by train. And I was watching Good Morning Britain because you know I do love a bit of Piers, but Piers is still on holiday. Um, but they were at London Bridge this morning, and they were reporting on two stories, of which one was the annual fares increase. Yeah. Um, which has been reported is that the recommendation is to for 1% because, as you know, it goes in line with um, RPI. And the second one was a story from Transport Focus saying that there should be a fares freeze or they should be reducing um, fares. Yeah. And I think that's quite interesting because LNER have already done that. Um, they're doing a special offer at the moment till the 3rd of September, but there are no fares available. I found that funny. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to book two rail journeys, both on LNER, one to go and see a friend in Newcastle. And I think the best way I found to do it is actually to book on, Gra on Grand Central to York and then change at York onto a TPE. Right. Um, so I can get to Newcastle just, but um, we were hoping to do it in a day. But um, these sorts of things that you used to do in a day are just more or less impossible now. And right. the other woman is going to Pit Lockery um, on the seventh of September, and there are no trains available from the fourth of September. There is nothing available to book, and it's not because they're not there it's because they haven't put them into the system and i was sort of like having a twitter debate with um with lnr control a couple of days ago and they're like oh well we're holding some back we're not and i was just like but what happened to t minus 12 where the reservations used to go into the system 12 month 12 weeks in advance and nobody is answering that question you know i mean, like, we're saying about 
building confidence i don't think it's about building confidence i think it's just being able to start living our lives isn't it being able to do things yes well uh so you were talking about september we're now on what uh, august 19th so um, it's only two weeks away i mean like you don't plan a holiday just two weeks before do you i've been trying to plan this holiday for the past two months we've had we've, we've decided not to go to pit lockery in the end because well, I'm going the week after you were planning to go but i'm going on the sleeper train which sells tickets a long time in advance yeah. we're poor so we can't afford sleeper trains that's because you have a gargantuan mansion in brighton <laughs> i wish <laughs> um but uh we are doing the sleeper train and i'm doing the sleeper train because i'm paying yes more than i would have on a daytime train but it was available and it was convenient to book so i booked it and i think that's the message that i would give is if you make this stuff available and convenient people will just book it yeah, that's, I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? Is that we've just decided not to take the trip. And I think when I was trying to explain to LNER, um, various people at LNER, why I wasn't taking the risk on waiting for the trains to be released. Yeah. It was because we had to, um, yesterday was the last day that we could um, not have to, that we could cancel our accommodation. Yeah. Without having to forfeit the whole payment. Yes. Well, let's not turn this into an anti-LNER podcast. No, I didn't. I didn't mean. I didn't mean. It's. I think what it is is. I think. I don't know. I like. It's not meant to be against LNER because it's not just them. I. I think what. What I thought was quite interesting is that not just about the fares and that. I think it's all. Yeah. You because know, also, I, there was another story on on um, my favourite breakfast program this morning as well as about just how messages are confusing and that. And I think there is a confusion because I was just yeah. I said yeah. You've been travelling a lot, and I've been travelling on local trains, and it's almost like a two tier system has been created. Is that <laughs> I can still go down to my local station, buy a ticket, and walk on a train. And they have been busy. Yeah. Trains I've got on just dumb, and they're just for local journeys. People doing, you know, local stuff. They're shopping, you know, um, going to see friends, family. They're not sort of like the commuting journeys. You know, people going out for the day because obviously the weather's been nice and that. And they've been busy, but we've just been walking up and buying tickets just as we would normally. Yeah. So why is it that? And I know, I know half the answer because obviously. Thameslink and Southern Trains and that they don't run reservation systems and their trains are not designed to run reservation systems. So what is the difference? This is my question. What is the difference between a train that can accept reservation systems and a train that can't? What do you mean? Just in terms of why can I walk up onto one just because it can't do it? Yeah. And I can't walk up onto the other just because it can. That's a nonsensical risk assessment again you're talking like a, a person a consumer not a i know but i am a consumer i know but i am you know and this is sometimes i think this is one of the things that an, annoys me about um anybody who works in any industry is they don't they they talk about people who use services and products as other people <laughs> we're all consumers <laughs> in some way or another yeah 
I'm with you. I'm just saying that you're talking like a consumer. Because the because the other question I'd really like to know under all of this as well as apart from you, like you say, I'm talking like a consumer rather than a rail person because I like to think of myself as being a voice of the customer rather than just a voice of an operator and somebody who understands this stuff. Yes. But are they stopping staff travel? Don't know. Because if you're a member of staff and you travel on a free ticket mm -hmm. on your boxes or whatever, you don't reserve on the train. So are they, are they allowed to just walk up onto these trains? And I've seen frequently because I'm friends with lots of rail people on Facebook and that who are all traveling on their, using their boxes on train services. Are yeah. they reserving? I expect not. So not only have you got you know, um, a system that is not meeting consumer customer need, but you've, you've got all different systems working amongst each other. And I think it's all very well talking about we've got to get people traveling again and restoring services and that, but you've got to get your system sorted out. I mean, it is only one operator that's doing reservation only. Is it? So I could have gone up the West Coast. You could, and you could probably do that as, an, as a uh, test. I have to say, I never, yeah. ever, I never ever think about going up the West Coast. Well, they have direct trains. Edinburgh, at least. Um, I know they do, but I never, I, I don't know why, I just don't think about it. Well, you I could go, and we I... could do a review, and we could do the review on the catering on one, and the catering on the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Full experience, either way. We might not do the four and a half hour podcast, though. Uh, but yes, I have been going out and about for the last month uh, because I've had to do two, two in-person meetings, one in Cardiff and one in Bristol. And I saw you in Brighton. Um, I was very impressed with the amount of people who are complying with the face masks. Um, and now it's just a thing, you just wear them. Um, I've not seen much. I've not seen many people not wearing them, um, which I think is good. Um, services have been busy in the southeast. Um, Every intercity train I've taken has been deserted. <laughs> but then I guess if you are a government trying to control the spread of an infection, you're probably fine with people traveling locally, but it is people moving around the country that's probably your... People moving around the country is, is problematic. I can, I can see that. Yeah. But I'm, I think it's interesting because obviously RSSB had that report come out last week as well. Um, which also drawed on international research, which shows that there is no evidence that says that you can, that people are catching it on being on a train for a long time. Right. You're right, they might be taking, they might be bringing it with them in other places, but there's no evidence that um, that um, people people are catching it on trains. But I just think there's a better, there could be a better way of managing this. I mean, I, we're supposed to be such clever people. Yeah, well, my question comes from, and, and I, you know, and I was kind of thinking, you know, that I, you know, I was working as, you know, on on a station during Hatfield, and I know you can't compare Hatfield to this, but there were problems that were managed, and they were they were their premise was to get people travelling. It wasn't the premise was actually we're scared and we don't want people travelling. It was the risk assessment was done and it then got people traveling again in the safest way possible maybe that's what the angle needs to be it doesn't need to be about restricting people it needs to be how can we safely 
transport people to do the journeys they need and it doesn't need i don't think it necessarily needs to be huge technological solutions okay okay rant over rant over what else have we been up to no sorry it's not a rant it's uh you've just used the word journeys they need to make is you're you're already judging whether people should be traveling or not you're not providing a service and people can choose to take it or not the point of during this whole lockdown was that it was essential journeys only and that message still has not been removed from the public because they still have can you travel another way and a picture of a car at lots of train stations but that but you see that's laziness what whether it's laziness right, okay, or right, not, okay. right. see because that's because that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's laziness and, and um and lack of attention to detail because that has not actually been a message since the 4th of july okay but then because there's, there's, all, there's, all of that essential travel and do you really need to travel is really up because in my view and you know and i think people know i am anti-car um is that if your journey is not essential by public transport then it should also be non-essential by car right that's you know my view but when i say you know i'm talking about yeah i'm not talking about companies making the decision on need and wants and stuff like that i think we should all be you know why should somebody may be making that decision on whether my journey is essential or not? Yeah. Because that's for me to take personal responsibility and accountability for my actions and decide whether, you know, because I mean, because, I mean, because there's all sorts of stuff going around. I mean, like yesterday there was reports about how the lockdown has impacted in all sorts of ways on people's mental health. Yeah. Well, actually getting out and about and changing scene and that is is known to improve your mental health going on holiday undertaking leisure activities seeing friends i mean it is all known to, to you know to be positive for your mental health so this isn't just about the economy it's about our well-being yes it is so we are what we're on 19th of august and the we're supposed to be getting back to work sorry People are being encouraged, well, they can already go back to the office, but there is a strong desire to get people to go back to offices from, I think, the 7th of September, which is a Monday. And I know that some rail companies are increasing their timetable from the 4th of September to, like, 90% of normal. So at that point, if you are an operator at restrict capacity on your train, what will you do to work out who should get on your train? Well, I don't... I don't Who's having, having, uh, sorry? Who's allowed to get on your train if people are being told that they should be going into city centre offices? I don't, I don't think they should be restricting it. Well, no, but I think I mean I, as I, I think to a certain extent, people should be taking responsibility of what is right for them. Yes, I know, but these people can't take that decision because they're being. I know they can't, but I think the I think the I think the the industry has to stop people restricting to travel, and people need to make their own decisions. Because I think if people are wearing masks, and you know, with the additional cleaning and things like that on, otherwise, you know, I'm, it's going to. I mean, the fact is, if 
if we don't start getting back to um, pre-COVID operations and travelling, it's going to destroy the, the rail industry. That is the fact. I mean, like, government is still ploughing on with HS2, East-West Rail, other, you know, cross-rail, you know, schemes, you know, all these beaching, you know, bringing back beaching cuts. That. But the hard reality is, is that if people don't start travelling again, even even if it just goes up to 60, 70% of pre-COVID um, levels, mm. there are going to be some hard choices being made. And there's going to be some trade-offs. And I don't know whether that's going to... And, it, and I think it will become actually a zero-sum game. You know, and so some of the new schemes might go ahead as part of the levelling up agenda. But if people aren't travelling on other lines, then there could be closures at the same time. Yeah. Because there are a lot of lines out there that currently, and even pre-COVID, that didn't get huge amounts of numbers and probably weren't by financially viable. And it'll be those lines that will go that were not financially viable before this. So I think we do have to start using it or losing it. And, and I think it's not just, you know, and it's not just bad for um, the traveling public, but it's also bad for the people who work in it, because I think in the industry, because I think people who work in rail think that they'll be protected against some of this hardship that's coming our way if we don't get the bounce back and they won't be i mean like have you been on a train where they've checked your ticket so if you think of all those fights that have been going on with the second person on the train well that second person on the train despite having their safety responsibilities removed are not doing anything else on that train at the moment so why why would you continue to have them if particularly if your cost you're not getting the revenue and you need to reduce cost yeah yeah and i think that's that's the hard reality is that to save jobs to get people you know to get the economy going we have to return to some sort of semblance of and i hate to use this word normality or you're or developing the new world rather than just sitting on it and hoping something will turn up so well as we always say the rail industry is an economic catalyst so we need to uh make sure that the rail industry fulfills its part yes. and more people in, will be employed in public transport than in manufacturing cars in this country i don't know what the numbers are but whole towns rely on people being being employed in public transport and yeah I'm gonna, and if you refer back to our um, podcast that we did last year on inequality I mean, like you need public transport to, to to level up anywhere yes people have to get to opportunity absolutely right. and you're and you're preventing that so we 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 need to rebuild it back up again and we need to do it fast and restore that confidence because it is not unsafe no it's not uh it is yeah um we will do what we can i'm doing what i can by traveling obviously um 
I've not been. I've not been anywhere beyond the local area of Brighton. Would you do your bit? Was it? Go, I've out. been. I've been. I've been to. I've been to Lewis and I've been to Chichester. You come up London. Well, I need a reason to come. Mind you, I need time. I spend so much time now as well, sort of like you know, just going between video calls and that. I don't get time to travel anymore. That's that is isn't that really funny? I spend so many time on video calls. I don't get time to travel anymore because normally I'd be doing all these face to face meetings in London. Well, I'm, 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 and there must be there must be turn sooner than you think. There's loads of people must be like that where they would have yeah you know, where I'd have had a big meeting up in London then I'd have like dispersed it with some smaller meetings and had and had coffees with people and that and that that life is just gone. I miss it. Well, I mean, it will come back. Okay, so what are we doing to get it back? So, so what's what we what are we up to? Well, I think we're doing this uh, the day after I, I was sorry. So, I was writing some rail innovation group with. Uh, updates yesterday and I realized that how the year had panned out so far was just a load of cancellations um, so we cancelled our startup railway events all the way through the year we cancelled all our meetups from March through till now um, obviously we moved online but now I'm trying to get us back to having it some sort of in-person event whether it's us standing in the street two meters apart um, what in the middle of Soho Square pretty much <laughs> shouting at each other about how we're going to improve rail. Uh, but I think I get there's an appetite to have some sort of in-person events for those people who want to, so we will try and do something. Micro-meets, we're going to call them. Micro-meets. And I'm going to do some nice little goodie bags for them. Well, also, there's so, there's so few people that you can make everyone a cake. <laughs> now, I don't get anyone too excited about this. This will be... Well, this I will told be, people on will... Twitter and they said they'd come if you make cake. I'm going to make brownies. So that everyone will have their own individual brownie in the pack. Right. But but I'm going to do really exciting goodie bags. So it'll be worth coming just for my goodie bag. Right. But yeah, I've been doing lots of, yeah. And there are so many mini alcohol bottles and cans and things that you can get. It's going to be so much fun. Right. But no plastic. But... <laughs> Doesn't everything come in plastic? Well, no, but wine comes in glass bottles. Some of it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll just take the one bottle of wine. Okay, okay. Right, so sustainability credentials. Well, you're just going to have a big bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at um, tins of gin and tonics. I'd call it all tins of pims or something. Well, it it sort of and I was also looking at baby sham. Oh, baby yeah. sham comes in a bottle. That does. I have some baby sham glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 when so when so when we're having our meetup by personal invitation only because we have to limit our numbers. We do. September. We're hoping for. I'm going to the place today to check out how many people we can safely fit in or safely be outside. Opposite oh, right. Oh, I see. Because obviously this needs a lot of preparation. So it does. Yes. Um, so because we want to keep everyone safe. Yeah. I'm going to stand next to a big fan. Uh, Isn't that just going to blow the virus around? But of course, you've had it. I have had it, and I've recovered. So, I'm one so, of so, so we know we can't catch it from you. Correct. So you're all good. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, what was I going to say? Can't remember. Yes, we're working our strategy about what we're going to do to help our rail innovation group members in the current situation. So that's something to look forward to, and also. 
I mean, like, things are starting to happen again, aren't they? So we've got so we've got a few online events coming up, haven't we? In hey, uh, with conferences. Oh, I have to write my speech. <laughs> me too. I've got to do mine as well. Um, so that'll be um, so that'll be one of the jobs to finish this week. But um, I'm really excited about doing an online conference. Yeah. Where we're going to be talking. What What are you talking about? I'm talking about passenger. Oh, passenger numbers, passenger demand. I mean, so, so you're going. So you're going to be talking about one of the projects that we've been working on over the period. Yes. Yeah, so the reason I sort of disappeared over this summer is because I have been extremely busy doing a project um, with you and with Marcus and with some other people who I'm going to convince to join the Rail Innovation Group uh, to find a new system to get basically real-time passenger demand. So um, I'm not sure if we're allowed to be talking about it or not. Who knows? But basically using people's macro movement data to work out current levels of demand and loading on trains, which will help the COVID response because then we'll know who's on each train and how many people are on each train versus the capacity available for the train, which has been very interesting in trying to work out what trains are running on each line to work out what capacity is on each line. You'd think so, that people knew which trains were running, but they don't. Well, that data set isn't available. Easily. I think it's interesting that we don't know sort of like some of this stuff. It is really interesting, isn't it? So if people want to find out more, when are you talking next week? Uh, I'm talking on Tuesday. Let me just double check my calendar. Uh, Tuesday, I think. Yeah, so it was supposed to be in Boston. It's the Smart Transit. And because of that, I'm talking at... Uh, 7.30 p.m. next Tuesday, the 25th of August. I know, it's, it's disappointing that we didn't go, because that was obviously cancelled, that was one of the events that was cancelled in March, the week before we went into lockdown, and then it was meant to be again in August, and obviously, you know, um, America's response has been worse than our own response to it, so, so um, nobody can go to America ever again at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so, so everybody can hear more about that. And I'm going to be doing an updated presentation on mobility as a service. So it's a follow-up from the one we did in Madrid last week, last week, last year, yeah. um, in terms of now that um, there's been a, um, a seismic change is now the time for mass, I think is probably sort of like the topic and what, what does it mean? Because I would be very keen to know how you're going to update it to include the fact that large cities around the world have made cycling so prominent, and how you're going to wrap in cycling as part of mobility as a service. How does, See, I, I like yeah. my own bike, so how are you wrapping in me cycling to a scheduled full public transport? Uh, yeah, I think because I think it is interesting, Mass, isn't it? Because probably, and I think it's interesting that you've brought up about um, cycling and your own bicycle, because clearly, when we gave the presentation last week, last week, I keep calling it last week, but it was only last year. Does that have I like lost ten months of my life? You know, we went to Madrid sure. and then nothing else has happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think um, when you factor in other interests the, the one thing we said was that mass is not an app and that's pretty yeah. much where it's focused on 
and I think probably what this has shown when you think you know when you think about the promotion you know going back to that you know um saying don't travel by public transport because actually everyone's picked up on the message that um public not traveling by public transport means car yeah but actually i mean i've traveled less by public transport even in my local area in brighton and i live um four miles out of the center but i've I've not got in my car to avoid public transport. I'd say 95% of the time. Yeah. I've got on my bicycle. No. So I'd be curious what you're going, so, to, you're going to integrate. And also now that we have e-scooter trials or systems or something, we're trying e-scooter. E I like e-scooters. Oh, I love I was, in, I, I was in Hamburg this, this time last year, and it was my first time on a, on a um, hired e-scooter that I had a go on. Oh yeah, they're very good. Certainly I thought they were really good fun. I think we should have more of them. I mean, certainly, I think from a mobility point of view, if you can't cycle or you have mobility issues, I think they're really good. Those little, you know, just pick one up, zip along, you know, and 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 they're fantastic. I think they're a really great way of getting people around, and we should have more of it. Well, especially if, for example, you want to cycle to a station, get on a train, and then you have no guarantee that any local either cycling or scooter scheme the other end if you can take one on the train with you because currently you can't take a bike really that easily um if you can take a scooter which is small and fold up uh that obviously solves that last mile bit at the far end and i think that's really i mean that's really where it needs to concentrate on and i think taking on that international perspective obviously some um countries are better at this than others because right? i don't know if you've seen um in the netherlands um i can't remember which station it was they've just opened a new cycle facility and it is absolutely huge yeah and i, I think yeah it's another twelve thousand spaces or something mm -hmm. um i think only cambridge comes close to you know, in the uk to creating something like that i mean like brighton's got a fantastic bike facility but it's it's very underused right yeah I don't, I don't know why it's underused but it does have a fantastic facility i, I use it all the time if i'm if i'm not taking my brompton if i'm taking my road if I'm taking my other road bike with me um i always park in the facility in that because it's linked to your um smart card yeah. and it's completely secure yeah it's a fantastic facility and say nobody uses it so that's that's my big thing thing today is get back on the trains and take your cycle to Bryson Station because the facility is brilliant and it's safe. Okay. Well, I'll let you do that advocacy. I've I've done it. <laughs> Good. Well now's the chance. Now is the chance if the demand has eased off a bit, then to for us to work out the optimal way to serve what people want to do to get on a public transport, which includes cycling. Although Brighton does need to sort out the road access. Yes, well, I think lots of places do, and now's the time to do that too, so get on it. Right. Um, what else? Anything else that we've been doing the last six months that we should talk about? Mm. <laughs> well, we've been doing our munch and learns, and we've been doing our survey, and we're going to start pulling all that work together into an autumn report. Uh, yes, Johanna, I look forward to seeing the first draft. <laughs> Considering you're the one who wanted to do it. 
I know. Uh, do you know, it's, it's so funny. I'm like, I just say, I've just said, having, having all this time in the world and yet uh, both of us have been busy working. I know. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful over this period of uncertainty that I have been working. Yeah. Um, I found it, I was doing the, I was sort of reformatting the survey output yesterday and I did find, of course, the one that made me smile was, oh yes, is, is now a good time to, to introduce new tech, new tech or plan new mobility model for rail public transport industry and like some people said maybe not yes just maybe maybe not sure well now is the key time to do it i mean in my opinion now i think i think um it's interesting because um is um because i think you know people always worry about um leaving people behind and that and that's you know why um why we don't move forward on stuff we should do a we should do a podcast on ticketing and season tickets and things quite quickly i think because i want to i, I want to bring something up from a quote because how old do you think the season ticket is uh it's from like 1860 something isn't it, it was a comedy it check. is it is yeah and it's essentially well, it's not it's, it's, your money to the operator and then they carried you yeah so it's not really changed in format for 150 years i mean the type of ticket you might have got you know might have changed you know from being a paper ticket to an orange ticket or a, you know or a, um, a smart well, no, card or whatever but but essentially tickets at the start you were obviously a known person to the rail the conductor on the train so yeah you, ticket, you just knew that you and it was a he just knew that um you had you had commuted so 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 there's lots of things within rail that have essentially you know and ticketing really is one of them and you have to you do have to think if if now is not the time to change when is it yeah and i'm not necessarily talking about the big structural things that need sorting out and the and the unpublished um williams review and emergency measures which will have an impact but maybe rail does need to take seriously um andrew haynes and network rails mantra putting passengers first yeah and maybe if they put that at the front of every decision maybe things would get better quicker and when they get passengers on some networks <laughs> I'm sure lots of people would travel. Oh, it started raining. I have to close my window. Would travel because I think it's because it's a bit like the Eternity to Help Out scheme, isn't yeah. it? And I know sort of like yeah, they've started out to go out to help out scheme now. And get out to help out. Get out to help out. And I look forward I, to my 50% discount on Alton Towers. 50%. <laughs> but I think it's more radical than that because I, cause I was wondering, and I've not done it, and this is why I was saying we should do a podcast, let's do some research and do, some podca and do a podcast on this because I was thinking, right, so if you book a ticket, um, if you are 
under 30, if you um, have a disability, if you're older, if you're in the armed forces, if you travel together, um, have they got, have they got um, an over 50 rail card now or something? I'm not too sure. That, but there is, there is about, I think there is about 40 rail cards yeah. that all give you 33% discount on off-peak travel. Okay, or and I'm, I'm, I think that, um, but the disabled one is slightly different, isn't it? It gives you just different discounts, but they all sort of like give you varying discounts. Plus, you've got all these. Um, plus, you've got um, a whole load of um, operators that work on yield management, and you know they don't just have the walk-up fares; they have advanced purchase and all of this. And if you were to average all of that out yeah. and do away with rail cards and that, and and do away with peak and off-peak travel, and just have fares that were that met the needs would you actually get a better system and would that help recovery um, and it goes and it does go back to the mobility as a service and account-based ticketing and, and all of that stuff but you mean just I, give run a third off tickets yeah right well that might if you, you know, just do away with rail cards and make it all cheaper you know or is the you know or is it a time to look at you know what they do in places like germany where you actually buy a ticket for the whole country or your area yeah. and it's valid for everything anytime you want to travel except the fast services and you pay a supplement if you want to travel on the fast services right yeah i think that's the thing isn't it you know if if now is not the time to be radical regardless of whether it's technology or not just doing something different to recover uh, yeah, well, I look forward to your paper again. <laughs> I will do it. I will do it. I'm going on holiday in, in 10 days' time, so it'll be something for my holidays. Right, on your long train journeys to nowhere. Uh, please write that, and then we'll... I will, I, will, um, I will go on a train to Newcastle, because I have to go on a train to Newcastle. I can't drive, because it's not so much the driving there, it's the driving back that's the problem. Drunk? Yes. <laughs> Right. Don't drink drive, therefore. Precisely. <laughs> right. We're clear there. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's good for now. And uh, what is to look forward to? Our speaking next week, and then uh, normal life. I'd, I'd had people register for the for the speaking next week. It's through Railway Gazette. Yes, uh, it is Smart Transit. You can just Google it. Google it. Do you want to put a link out when you send this out to the... What, hear us speak? Yes. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> People might be interested in hearing what we have to say. They do, and I'm sure it'll be posted afterwards anyway. I'm sure. All right, I am going to go now. Okay. Go. Good speaking to you. For the... I know we speak all the time, but yeah, good, good, time. good to speak on railway stuff. Get into the topic. All right, I will see you later, and... Uh... We'll do another podcast soon. Bye.